Hello, everyone, and welcome to Limelight, the Falcon Movie Podcast. I'm Keegan Daly. I'm Mason Brooks. I'm Andy Simons. And today we're going to be talking about movie musicals. So, Annie, what do you love about a movie musical? I mean, what's not to love, you know? I mean, they're fun, they're fast-paced. Yeah, movie musicals have always been something that I've enjoyed watching because it kind of gives me a sense of comfort, I guess. You know, when you see people in musicals coming together through song and dance, and I just there's just something very comforting about it to me. So you said something about fast-paced. Have you seen the original Oklahoma musical? The Rogers no, and Hammers I haven't. <laughs> oh my gosh. The pacing in that movie will make you want to claw your eyes out. There's this one, spoiler alert, kind of, there's a dream sequence that goes on for, I think, 13 minutes. And it's this whole weird orchestra and dance number. And it's the most confusing thing you'll ever watch on the screen. Well, now I want to watch it. (laughs) I mean, there's some really good parts about it, um, but it's the pacing in that movie is very interesting to say the least the aesthetic of the movie is is gorgeous of course and you know the voices are great it's got that classical sound to it yeah i think if musicals aren't fast-paced other elements of the music of the movie typically make up for it you know so if if it's a slow song or if it's a scene where there's no music and people might be bored i feel like there's either like a really stunning kind of visual display or the acting's really good in that scene so i feel like things kind of tend to balance out if maybe one element of the movie musical is lacking then another one will kind of rise up to the occasion and balance it out mason what do you like about movie musicals there are three really big things that i look for in a movie musical i look for First and foremost, is the music good? Am I going to want to sing this tomorrow when I wake up in the morning? Two, is the dancing good? Am I going to remember the choreography? Am I, did my jaw drop? Did I be like, how did they do this? Things like that. And then three, did I like the plot? Did I like the characters? Did I like the story? And so those are the three big things that I look for. What about you? I think that that genre above a lot of other genres can just really make you feel like you're at home and at peace. You feel most at home when you're watching movie musical. Like this one, like a romantic comedy, like these kinds of genres, they're like comfort classics, I think. Well, there's like a warmth to them. Yeah, that homey feeling. There's, it's like sitting by a fireplace is a great way to describe watching Absolutely. a good musical. Yeah, I think while there are also, like, because my go-to movie musicals are always the really comforting ones, or there are things that I'll watch when I'm sad or when I just kind of need to, I don't know, revitalize my mood, I I guess. But I'm also thinking of movie musicals like Sweeney Todd, who are, you know, just people, you know, being ground up into stuff to make meat pies, like not the most comforting topic for a movie musical. But again, I think if it's not a super comforting plot, other parts of the film make up for the fact that it's not a super easy watch. You know, I mean, the music is fantastic. I think the acting is great. I think Johnny Depp kind of kills it in that in that um, adaptation of the musical. And the plot is super enticing, you know, because you, you're you constantly wondering if they're going to get caught or if people are going to catch on to the fact that this crazy chain of events is happening literally right under their noses. So yeah, I think I just, I guess I appreciate all kinds of different movie musicals for lots of different reasons. 
but I tend to lean towards the comforting ones, but I also still acknowledge the genius behind the ones that deal with tougher, darker subjects. And I think that because a lot of people tend to lean towards the more comforting side of musicals, that, like you said, it's it's a, it's almost a tougher job to present a musical in a way that's not like that. To have a musical that kind of pushes against that norm of being comforting and warm and especially like your, your darker side musicals, kind of like you were talking about. Then you have your like depressing musicals. Like I just watched the movie adaptation of the last five years. Annie and I were just talking about that a couple days ago with Jeremy Jordan and Anna Kendrick. Oh my gosh. Wow. That'll, that'll rip your heart out in the best way possible. It does such a great job at exploring the challenges, difficulties, and failings in lots of modern relationships. And I think that that can be super powerful and super important and eye-opening to look at like, hey, these are things you don't want to do. These are things you need to look out for and choices that you need to make in your own relationships that so that things can turn out different and better and not as heartbreaking as this story. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful about movie musicals that aren't, you know, crazy fantasy, weird plots. I think there's something very special when you just take kind of the normalcy of every day and put music to it. And with the last five years, you know, it's about two people living in New York City, trying to find themselves, establish careers, and maintain this relationship in the process of doing all those other things for themselves and together. And it does, it doesn't end well, but it's very true. I think, I mean, I think anyone who's ever been in a failed relationship is going to find something in that musical, in that film that they relate to. And I think that that's a really powerful part of movie musicals is that when they're relatable, it's kind of like an invitation for the audience to really experience it in a different way. And it's like you said, Keegan, it's like you're you're kind of finding a home. If the characters are mirroring your life in some way, and if they're making you feel kind of a sense of acceptance and validation by just kind of highlighting everyday failures and successes. I think that there's something very powerful in that for viewers who are relating to what they're watching. Definitely. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about A Star is Born and how the 37 version was a movie. The 54 version was like turned into a musical with Judy Garland. I think it's 76 was with Barbara Streisand, a musical. And then of course, the Lady Gaga version was a musical. And so it's the same story in every single one of those movies. But the way that it's presented is different. The way that the audience is, is interacting with it is different because it's a, it's a different time period. But it still is just as powerful every single time. The story of the rising star falling in love with this big star who's kind of on the decline because of their struggles with addiction. And really, really powerful story, no matter, you know, if it's in the 30s or if it's in the, the 2010s. And I think especially the 54 version, I think Judy Garland, I think because of her infamous struggles with addiction and and the things that she had to deal with in Hollywood, I think that she carries that performance really, really well, being that rock to um, James Mason's Norman Maine. Especially there's this one scene where she really breaks down and she is talking to her director about how things are going with Norman. And George Cukor, the director of A Star is Born, was like, Judy, you have to really dig 
deep within yourself to find the energy to do this because you know this so well because of her struggles with addiction. You know this. And so she was able to act the heck out of that scene. I think that her performance in that is like one of the best musical performances ever. Not only is it a relatable story, but it's also relatable to her, which I think makes it even more powerful. It's it's authenticity. When people see something that's real, you can tell. You can you can see a true story. You can see someone relating to the performance that they're giving. You can see when it comes from the heart versus when it's just a character. And that's exactly what you're commenting on. And I think that performances like that are the ones that really stick with you. Those are the things that you'll you'll think about. Absolutely. And even on the flip side of that, movies like the one that comes to mind is Anchors Away, which is a Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra movie musical that is not authentic. It's not deep. It's just fun, stupid, singing and dancing. And there's like Tom and Jerry, isn't it? I think sometimes when you sit down to watch a movie, and especially a movie musical, they can often be a little more fun and inviting. I think that you don't want to be like touched deeply. You just want to watch something fun and ridiculous. I think that um that that can work on both sides of the coin. Because again, like every single time when I think about what movie I want to watch, it's either one or the other. And honestly, there's really no in between. Exactly. You're either looking for like a intense, character-driven, authentic, heartfelt, or rip your heart out, or just a real story about about someone that you can relate to or something that you can emulate or, or something like that. Or you're looking for the term that my dad always used is a larger than life. What's what came out recently, like the greatest showman. That's your big, larger than life, sing at the top of your lungs, magical dance numbers and all kinds of stuff. Um, so you've got that on one end of the spectrum and then you've got your, your A Star is Born in your last five years. And and yeah, I agree with, with you, Keegan. It's I either want one or I want the other and there's not really a big old in-between. So one of my favorite things is to, like you guys were saying, to watch a movie musical that I think is just going to be pure entertainment in the shallowest of ways and then be like blown away by some sort of deep hidden message in the film that just leaves me super shocked and impressed and just kind of trying to process what I just watched. That's one of my favorite things is when a movie musical surprises me and it's- Give us an example because- that's that's a truly amazing feeling. <laughs> yes. So, and this is so funny, but if any of my close friends are listening, they will know that the animated movie musical Trolls is one of my favorite movie musicals ever. Really? Because, yes. Because it, it strikes that balance of like super lighthearted, family-friendly, entertainment, huge colors, big musical numbers. There's comedy, there's joy, there's all these amazing entertaining elements of it. But there's also a lot of scenes that talk about really mature themes, but they approach them in a way that is watchable and relatable to kids which is awesome. I think that's very important in, in movies um, to make sure that any person of any age can learn something from, from the movie. So in the movie Trolls, you know, there's, there's a character who deals with loneliness and anxiety. And then there's other characters that 
deal with bullying or negative feelings surrounding their self-worth, just other things like that, that older viewers probably experience and kids might be experiencing also, but they don't necessarily know what it is. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. When you watch a movie, a movie musical, and you relate to the characters, you're like, that's me. That's me. I see myself in that character. And I see a lot of myself in trolls because there are some days where I'm, you know, ready to jump around and sing because I'm having one of the best days ever. And then there are other days where I would like to just hide like 10 stories under the ground and never talk to anyone ever again, like one of the characters in Trolls does. I think that when you do strike that balance between crazy over-the-top entertainment and soul-wrenching, like ripping your heart out, deep meaning. It's very, very, very hard to find that balance. But I think when movie musicals do kind of blend those two together, those create some of the most beautiful, powerful movie musical moments I think that viewers can ever experience. Wow. I, n- I never really... I never really thought about that with that movie. I've never seen it, but I have to check it out because you gave it such a beautiful description that really hits home. I think that's really sweet. I think that with The Star is Born, just to go back to that because I only ever want to talk about Judy Garland, I think it really hits that balance, especially because all of the musical performances are to an audience. Like, she's performing for somebody in the movie. She's a performer on Broadway in the movie, and so she does the song like Born in a Trunk, she does Swanee. She has this giant, giant, giant long musical number where there's all these costumes and dancers and oh gosh, it's the most amazing thing in the entire world. But it's kind of completely devoid of any emotion, really, because because it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. It's just fun and fantastic, and it's her being a star, which I think is really interesting in a way that it doesn't really combine the two to make this whole big package. It separates them, but it still kind of has the same effect where where you have the really, really big, flashy, amazing, fun numbers that kind of contrast with the more emotional, plot-driven scenes. And I think it does a really good job at, like, balancing the two. I think... Well, I mean, while we're on the subject of Judy Garland, we might as well talk about The Wizard of Oz because I think that even the people who are not super well-versed in film, I think there's a good chance that a large majority of movie watchers have seen that. That was one of the first movies I ever saw. And I I also think that The Wizard of Oz kind of strikes that balance, you know, because there's, I mean, who who doesn't love, you know, the scenes with the scarecrow and the tin man and the cowardly lion and Dorothy when they're like skipping down the yellow brick road and there's the fun musical numbers and all you want to do is smile and there's Glinda and all the the people in munchkin land and they're all dancing and it's so heartwarming and fun but then you also see this symbolism in these main characters you know where the scarecrow is intimidated, I guess, by his own lack of intelligence. And the Tin Man is worried that he's not emotionally capable of, you know, feeling things. And then the Cowardly Lion, I mean, it's basically in his name. He's just, he's worried that he's not brave enough to tackle the world that's out there. And Dorothy just wants to get home. You know, she feels lost and confused in this strange place that she's found herself in. So I think that movie also kind of walks that middle ground where you have really, I mean, an old Hollywood show-stopping numbers that are filmed in Technicolor and they're gorgeous. We love Technicolor. 
Oh my gosh. You. And Judy Garland has been in so many good technical, like, can we, can we talk about Meet Me in St. Louis? Oh my gosh, I was gonna say, that movie is so beautiful. The trolley song. The in, trolley song, listen. In Meet Me in St. Louis literally leaves me gasping by the time it's over because the music is so beautiful. Everybody's costumes, I mean, it looks like they're in like a, a meadow of wildflowers. Like the costumes are so well lit and well filmed. And then this whole time Judy's like trying to catch the attention of John Truitt and he's like not putting two and two together. And it's the most beautiful, hilarious, heartwarming scene ever. I don't even have words. It's so good. I could take us in the complete opposite direction and um, we could talk about um, one of the newest additions to the movie musicals, the pro shoot of Hamilton that came out on Disney Plus. Disappointing how long it took me to actually watch that movie for the first time. But the character of Aaron Burr really stuck with me after I watched it. If we're talking about that balance between big showstopper and fun and then really emotional and relatable and, and kind of grips you right in the heart. I didn't think that Aaron Burr's story was really going to do that for me, but wow, I was amazed um, watching Wait For It and really listening to the lyrics of that song and really kind of taking a hold of that and putting myself in Burr's shoes and just listening through Manuel Miranda's lyrics. Holy cow. But anyway, I was flabbergasted at just how, laugh at my word choice, go ahead, at just how three-dimensional Burr as a character was. And I could see different areas of my life when I'd been an Alexander Hamilton and I have seen things that I wanted and I've reached out and taken them and I've rushed right in and I haven't hesitated. And then I see plenty of other areas of my life where I've been that Aaron Burr and I have slowed down and I have let something that was really important to pass right by and not reached out and taken it like I'm supposed to. I think that that's so easily relatable to everyone because we all have Aaron Burr days and Alexander Hamilton days. I think I got more out of that song than any other song in the show. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about Hamilton is that it sheds a completely different light on who Aaron Burr was. Because anyone who's taken U.S. history and who's read about Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr is literally only known as the guy who killed Alexander Hamilton. There's not really any other, I guess, notable character traits of his that are talked about in history books. I think that rather than tethering everyone to Hamilton, I think Miranda did a wonderful job of kind of making each character their own individual person with individual qualities. It filled out the story more, you know, and it gave the show a, a bigger meaning because each character meant something. Kind of going off of that, the show isn't called Alexander. It's called Hamilton. And I think it's rather fitting that Eliza's gasp is what ends the show. Her ending arc, talking about how she lived 50 years after Hamilton died. I think that's incredible that, you know, she shares as much in that legacy as Alexander does. And she went off and did things, what starting the, the first orphanage in New York, took her own destiny and did so many incredible things that just rival her husband's and surpass him in other ways as well. And it's just phenomenal. Disney Plus, it is so accessible. If you don't have Disney Plus, you know somebody who does and you can steal their password. To anyone listening to this podcast, Hit me up and I will give you my Disney Plus password uh, because Hamilton and so many other movie musicals on Disney Plus are worth watching.
Hamilton's on there. Sound of Music's on there. Hello, Dolly's on there. The Greatest Showman's on there. Newsies on there. News, yeah, Newsies is on there. They've got the movie and the pro shoot. Classic Disney animated musicals. Oh, sure. You know, you've got The Little Mermaid. You've got Beauty and the Beast. You've got Aladdin. If you want to go more modern, both of the, you've got Frozen and Frozen 2. Tangled, which is one of my favorite Disney musicals. So many. Disney Plus, will you sponsor us, please? Disney Plus is hands down the best place to watch movie musicals. Like Netflix doesn't have anything on it. Limelight Podcast brought to you by Disney Plus. <laughs> Honestly, I wish. Guys, what is that? Do you hear that? Oh my gosh, yeah. Dude, I can hear it. What is that? I think it's time for our weekly What to Watch. So this is the part of the podcast where we recommend to you, our lovely viewers, we each give you a film that we think that you should watch that fits with our weekly theme. I really, really think that all of you should watch the movie Trolls because as I mentioned earlier, it's a wonderful movie that kind of blends the really fun elements of life with the very real kind of nitty gritty rough parts of life. It's animated. It's really fun. The music will make you want to get up and dance. And the movie's only like an hour and 20 minutes. So for all of you complaining about how movies are long, you don't have time to watch them, you can watch Trolls because it's not that long. For my weekly recommendation, I think that you all should check out Court Gesture. It's from 1955, stars Danny Kaye. Oh my gosh, it is light on music. It's so, so sweet. It is adorable. I think it's an hour, an hour and a half. So it's not horribly long either. It's really, really funny. If you like White Christmas, it's kind of got a similar vibe to that. It's absolutely hysterical. I Every time I watch it, I actually end up sobbing my eyes out because I'm laughing so hard. You need to watch it. So my weekly what to watch is Meet Me in St. Louis. It's the 1944 classic with Judy Garland and Margaret O'Brien. It is absolutely stunning in beautiful 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 technicolor the story is great the music is fantastic it is just good-hearted fun it has have yourself a merry little christmas in it so what's not to love about that well you guys that about wraps up our time for this week's episode thank you so much for listening i'm keegan daly and i'm mason brooks and i'm annie simons and we will catch all of you on our next episode